0: Today on the show, we're taking a hard look at the Batarians, their motivations, and what makes them the misunderstood villains of the Mass Effect universe. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. I'm Kevin. And Kevin, I'm just so excited today to introduce our very special guest. Uh, It's been a long time coming. We're way overdue on this, but uh, it's my genuine pleasure to introduce Matt Storm, a.k.a. Stormageddon, to the show, In the Cut with us. How's it going, Matt?
1: Good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, It's funny, for all the time I spend hanging out with y'all in your Discord and just playing games with y'all, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is my first time on the show, and uh, I'm very (laughs) excited to be here. Yeah. It's a real red-letter day, and
0: I I think for a long time we've, we've basically... I mean, Kevin, you can back me up on this. We've basically considered Matt just an honorary member
2: of Lore Party for a while now. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you're... You might as well just come to beatings. Like it's fine.
1: I look. I I I, as everyone knows, I need more podcasts to work on. I clearly don't do enough as it is. (laughs) You don't
0: have enough, yeah.
1: Keep collecting them.
0: (laughs) But no, it's yeah, we we hang out all the time. Uh and it's it's hard to believe this is your first time just on the mic with us as a guest host. Um and it's I'm really excited about our topic today too. This is gonna be a great episode having you on board with us on this one. We're we're exploring the Batarians as a people, they're, they're, you know, if you're not aware, they're a fictional race from the Mass Effect games. And they're kind of defined by this conflict between th- themselves and humanity. But I think, you know, the three of us, we know at least that it really goes beyond just a simple, uh, you know, disagreement between heroes and bandits. You know, I think there's a lot more to the Batarians than meets the eye. So uh, I'm real excited to get into that.
1: Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Mass Effect universe is no stranger to the villains actually secretly being the oppressed people under a genocidal attack. So like just the sky's the limit for how poorly the humans have really been treating these people. when we look deep down at it. That's definitely a theme.
2: <laughs> I would also like to note it's not just humans who also stereotype and treat Batarians. Um, That's true. But we're pretty <laughs> shitty. I yeah. I noticed like a theme in our in our like episodes. It's like, man, humans really suck. Like, but like we're not the nicest to everybody. Um, but yeah, Batarians, uh, oh boy, do we really not like them.
0: You could say hu- humanity doesn't have a monopoly on oppression and prejudice necessarily, but we are pretty good at it. <laughs> we have a knack for it. Uh, yeah, so what we're going to get into is just sort of the way the Batarians appear in the first two Mass Effect games particularly, but we also want to, you know, analyze the role they play in the series as a whole, dive into their history, and then ultimately get into the arc they experience as a civilization uh, leading into Mass Effect 3. So they they as a people, the Batarians, they really go on a journey over the course of these three games, and uh, that's the journey we're going to go on today. But first, a few housekeeping items really quick. Just want to put it out there. We'd love to hear from our listeners. If you're listening right now, please feel free to email us anytime you want at lorepartypodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts, your episode ideas, critiques, mean comments, favorite recipes. We want to hear all of
2: it. Seriously, we love it. We really love it.
0: Also, our, our teams, uh, our hosts, producers, we occasionally stream on Twitch, actually weekly. On a weekly basis, you can catch us on Twitch so be sure to follow us on twitch.tv slash lore underscore party. And of course you can always connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. With that out of the way, uh let's let's start let's you know get into this. But why are we talking about this? I mean, you know. Yeah, like,
2: seriously, Connor, what's the deal? Why, why the Batarians, man? You know, when when <laughs> I was when Matt and
0: I were, you know, a while back talking about like, hey, we want to get you on the show. What do we what should we talk about? We were trading ideas back and forth, and I think, uh, you know, the word Batarians. Actually, Kevin, you put it in my mind about you know, just there are big there are big decisions that you make as a player in Mass Effect, but, um, you know, we'll actually talk about one of those decisions later on, but it involves the Batarians. And I think that just put the seed in my mind of like, I just want to get into them as like a people and the part that their civilization plays in the series. And, you know, putting it back, putting in the ball in Matt's court, I think you were interested in just getting below the surface level of these, of these, of this alien species, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, It's very easy in Mass Effect, especially certain races within the games, to just look at them and be like they're cannon fodder. I mean, it's what they brilliantly do with the geth from game one to game three, right? Whereas at the beginning of game one, you're like, these are the enemies. They are the Nazi cannon fodder equivalent. And then by the third game, you go, oh, no, we've made some mistakes. They're not bad guys at all. like, You make that realization based on the arc that they brilliantly write for this race. And the Batarians are interesting to me because I feel like a lot of the other races within the games, like the Hanar, the Drell, the Krogans, the, you know, everybody kind of gets an arc and an understanding. But the Batarians, for the most part, are hired thugs, slavers, and pirates throughout the games with some minor exceptions. There's a character that comes to mind in the third game that I'll talk about later who seems like just a normal dude in the same way Shepard kind of seems like a normal dude. But, like... That's one Batarian, and like we never get a Batarian squad mate, and of course we don't get Volus squad mates either. We don't get like Elcor squad mates, but also famously those characters aren't really made for combat. Batarians clearly are, and like every other combat-ready race, serves with Shepard at some point, and the Batarians don't, and so all of that makes it really fascinating as to why, like, why? Why are the Batarians always kind of ostracized by everybody? Is it their fault? Is it the kind of people that they are? Or is it broader than that? Because that seems kind of narrow-minded and, quite frankly, and bluntly racist to just be like, oh, they're just bad because they're Batarians, right? Right. Like, there has to definitely be more to it. Yeah.
2: What gets me, too, is the fact that if you look at a lot of these other species, it's kind of just like what you said with the Geth and stuff. Like, they have this thing where in the beginning of the first game, you're kind of, like, all getting thrown at, like, human propaganda or, like, even mm-hmm. Citadel propaganda of, like, this is what the race is supposed to be like. And then we experience this, like, all these different species through our own experiences as Shepherd. And it's not really exactly the same as the said, you know, database would have told you. I mean, it, it, and, the, and the thing is, the database evolves throughout the games and starts including specific different tid- like really small little tidbits based on Shepard's experience like kind of different um, definitions of who they are and like add, like add stuff to like actually and they're also like this and, and so I think it's interesting that you say that like you know with the geth and stuff like it's kind of almost
1: similar to the Batarians
2: and like especially towards the last game.
1: I mean I think you're completely right Kevin and also something to look at is like you know the council has three races on it. Eventually, we get a human council member too, though that doesn't go well for anybody by the third game. <laughs> and and then, but like, and then there are like diplomats of Elcor and Volus and Hanar on the station, but like they're on the Citadel, there is no Batarian representation unless they are in the bars or causing trouble, and like. It's just a glaring omission that's easy to miss the first couple times through the trilogy, but someone like all of us on this call for the most part who've played these games many times, it becomes more obvious as to like... Because like, for example, the Volus also are often looked at as traitors and shady, you know, super smart, but like always not always like on the up and up, but still they don't have the kind of rap that the Patarians do. And like, I just when. Connor brought this up to me. I was like, it, it, you know, I don't know that much about the Batarians, me personally. And I think it'd be a really interesting thing to talk about them, learn more about them, and maybe try and understand why they're so hated. Is it something that they did? Or is it something that just the universe is kind of like, we're leaning into a stereotype that's easy because of what we see of them out in the world? Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's I think in sci-fi properties, there, there just tends to be a, A faceless villain that sort of fills a niche, Um, and it's good when that sci-fi property gives them some gives them some glow up, (laughs) and and that's one way to put it. But like, gives them the spotlight and some room to grow. And I'm, yeah, like so, the Batarians. If anyone is not familiar with the Mass Effect games, or like if you just don't remember what they look like, you haven't played in a while, uh, they're pretty uh, distinctive. They are bipedal humanoid aliens, uh, most distinctively recognized by their two sets of eyes. So they have four eyes. Uh, They're native to the planet Karshan in the Harsa system, uh, and their society is ruled by a very strict caste system and a rigid authoritarian government. So kind of as by their own nature, they uh they just tend not to trust easily. And when you go into the Mass Effect world in the first game, uh, you learn early on that the Batarians are are kind of outsiders. They they you know they don't really have council representation, like Matt said. They they are they have tense relations with the Citadel in general. And you know they they just they're just not great neighbors, is, is what most people describe them as. You know they it's not fun to live next to them. they they, they continue to have little border skirmishes, they usually avoid outright war in their in their history generally. But, um, you know, as the humans found out when they first started to settle the galaxy, Batarians who happen to be raiders and pirates and slavers are uh, a common threat faced by settlers uh, in the outside of Citadel space. So it's easy to see how they gain this reputation as just malcontents that no one gets along with. And, you know, we'll, we'll pick that apart later, but that's kind of the first impression you get as a player coming into Mass Effect.
2: Now keep in mind the representation you see in the beginning and the majority that you hear about in the first game especially is of the Batarians that are not really within localized Batarian space. And so, like, those slavers, and, and that's not really... Them, it, it obviously, like, you know, the group of people doesn't represent all the people and that's really the the big case here is because that kind of stuff isn't, it, it, it's kind of looked frowned upon in Batarian, like, government and Batarian social structures in some ways. Right.
0: Yeah, it's 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 key to understand that the Batarians you encounter in the game, generally, or at least early on, like the pirates you fight, uh, yeah, like you said, Kevin, they're they're not representative of Batarians as a whole, but they they kind of ruin the reputation of the race for everyone else in that in that way. It's kind of like it, you deal with the fringes of Batarian society generally.
2: The negative stereotype is the loudest stereotype for Batarians within Citadel Space. Like that's just how it goes for them.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and also keep in mind from Shepard's perspective, I mean, this whole trilogy is based on you creating a human character that you then pick a backstory for that then you live out and almost create your own living fanfic of, as it were. And one of the backgrounds that you can choose for Shepard is to have been taken at a young age by Batarian slavers and have barely escaped, which comes back in the later games when you encounter another human who has escaped the Batarian slavers. And so like, that's also something coloring the perspective, right? If you are a Shepard who is captured by slavers as a child and had to escape, You're not going to look fondly on them because of your own personal experiences, which on a certain level is absolutely 100% valid, right? If it's the only experience you know, that's how you're going to react. And so I think the game does set us up to view them negatively from an early start just based on that. And it isn't until towards the end of the second game that we get like a broader scope of, who they are and also the kind of damage we can do to them. And we'll get to that. But like I think it's important to note that the game does kind of set you up in the beginning, especially of the first one, to be like, all right, well, at least this section of this entire race, you know, they kidnapped me, killed my family. How should I feel about them? You know, I shouldn't I shouldn't be happy about that by any means. For sure.
0: Yeah. And it's we we bring we mentioned slavery and slaver, uh slavery gangs of Batarians who, you know, capture slaves and sell them or or whatnot. And it's, you know, it's important to note that s- slavery is basically a key component of their society. It's kind of like yeah. built into their civilization. Uh, it's kind of their, you know, their caste system and their government sort of signs off on the practice. This is not, this is not me re- excusing that at all. I'm just saying like, it's kind of core to how they function. So it's not like they just do it just to do it, like just out of right. pure cruelty. It's just kind of like, that's how they operate. So, it's 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 a nuance that, of course, uh, again, does not do them any favors in the, in terms of uh, relations, and especially like like Matt pointed out, uh, it can set certain people up for a, a long term animosity.
2: They are not set up for success. That's that's kind of <laughs> a bit of self destructive. <laughs> how it goes, and even even their government being like a super like like really kinda paranoid in general doesn't help. And 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 that's the thing is like they they have those things like kind of built into their societies, like history and stuff. And they they've like started to kind of say, oh we're gonna look down upon this to kind of almost look like in favor of other people to try to fix stuff. And it's kind of like some Batarians are like, hey, like You're just doing this to, you know, the normies want us to, you know, uh, assimilate to them. That's like that's kind of almost how like their their society is is viewing the whole like, you know, slavery and pirates and that kind of stuff. Because the government is starting to like really try to like appease Citadel space because they want to be able to like have better trading relations. They want to be able to have all these better things. So they're like, government says they're going to start looking down upon it, like I said earlier, but like, is that really the case? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's
0: it's interesting how, from, from the wiki, I was reading the wiki earlier, and it points out how slavery is so integral to Batarian culture that it's kind of like they almost consider it, uh, discriminatory for the council to be anti-slavery. Yeah. I was like, "What do you have against us?" Like, yeah, like you like like we, you pointed out, Kevin, that uh, it's like y- y- the Batarians almost have a stubbornness about like you know you can't change our way of life. This is just how we are. But but then I think over time they realize like no, this is this is a dead end road. We're gonna have to at least look like we're interested in changing with the times. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least have that appearance. But it, that that does point us toward. Batarian and council relations are, are, you know, it's a long and complicated history. And then humans come along and complicate it even more because there's it's I think humanity has this uh, trope almost of being the new kid on the block. They arrive at the galactic, you know, the galactic table, the big kids table and just, you know, be disruptive Mm -hmm. and annoying. And I think the Batarians were maybe the most annoyed out of everybody, just like, who are these? hairless pink monkeys like showing up and thinking that they can just you know claim the stars and whatnot and the the way the batarians isolate themselves or at least their government isolates themselves uh doesn't help with this they kind of you know this they they just want to have as little to do with other races as possible generally um so they just mostly want to be left alone and then the humans kind of come into space that the batarians had claimed earlier like i think the skillian verge is one of those parts of the galaxy that the batarians considered to belong to them but that claim isn't backed up by the citadel so when the humans settle there like they they can't really do anything about it so it's it's like you know when you don't have good relationship when you don't have a good relationship with the citadel and then the humans show up you you can't expect the Citadel to solve your dispute with them. So it's kind of like their isolationism came back to bite them a little bit there. It's that. So that's kind of how humans and Batarians get off on the wrong foot. And it doesn't really get any better from there.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, after, you know, they attack the human colony, Elysium, which is often Richard referred to as the Skillian blitz. And another thing you can like sub into the shepherd's backstory at the end of the first game, there's a, DLC called Bring Down the Sky. And it's the first time you really encounter Batarians. Batarians are in the world before that, but like the first time you go head to head with a Batarian is on that mission where you're trying to save scientists and the Batarian is trying to blow up a planet by directing an asteroid, the science asteroid, uh, towards it. And you end up left with a decision to kill this Batarian, but then the, the, you, ha- you have to chase him and then the science staff dies or you do the paragon thing and save the staff and he gets away and that plays later you 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 encounter that batarian again whose name escapes me at, at the top of my head but like it it, it things like that moments like that when you're playing shepherd it's like well why would i think any of these people are good look at what this one did and yes of course we're supposed to be bigger than that and and look beyond that but that mission is very much designed to set up batarians are bad guys which is not an uncommon sci-fi trope i mean you mentioned some other sh- sci-fi stuff before but like think about the klingons right sure. in, in original star trek they were just enemies flat out no questions asked but by the time we get to the next generation and characters like Worf, it's like oh, oh no there's actually a lot of diversity to this society we just didn't understand and i feel like it's very easy to look at the batarians in a similar light like because the perspectives we're stepping into and the perspectives provided are very aggressive now yes we can't Talk our way out of slavery being a part of their whole society. Mm -hmm. Like, that's problematic Mm -hmm. on an endless amount of levels. But the game does present Batarians often as the villain. And unlike other things that me and Kevin mentioned earlier, there doesn't seem to be a ton of redemption. Like, it's mostly a case by case. Like, as you meet Batarians, you can choose to help them or work with them or negotiate with them. But none of them are ever like, hey, what's going on, bud? How are you? <laughs> right. love to meet yeah. you. Like, you know, it's never like that. And I think Bring Down the Sky is a big part of that. Now, is that intentional by the writers? Possibly. I mean, it is common for video games to had, have cannon fodder, right? Enemies that you don't feel bad about killing. But yeah. we on Lore Party, are trying to explore more than just that, right? That's not an acceptable answer, is that they're cannon fodder. We want to know more about why they are being used as cannon fodder, and should they be?
0: Yeah, I think that definitely just ties back into, you know, humans showing up and disrupting what the Batarians were used to, and them not being able to really rely on the Citadel because they don't get along with the Citadel, and we... You know, we as people, and we as a human character and Commander Shepard, interact with like we like we mentioned, kind of the fringes of Batarian society—the pirates, the slavers, the terrorists, the the ones who yeah. aren't representative of the rest, like just normal Batarian people back home on in the Harsa system, trying to get along and just trying to scrape by. So it's kind of like, yeah, the negative stereotype speaks the loudest, but it's really important to look past that. And
1: I, I think it's 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 difficult with a race like the Batarians to just go, we should treat them better, yeah. right? I mean, take, take what happens in Mass Effect 2 also. The Arrival DLC yes. is, Mass Effect 2 is the only game where it has post-game content. Mass Effect 1 ends yeah. when you beat the game. Mass Effect 3 ends when you beat the game. There's no after-beat-the-game content like a lot of RPGs have. But Mass Effect 2 does because it had a lot of post-story DLC, including Arrival, which was released when we got closer to, to the release of Mass Effect Three, what Arrival is is Shepard gets a transmission from a scientist saying that they have a way to possibly delay the the Reapers, uh-huh. but she's not sure. But she's been kidnapped, and you know, uh, you're asked to go rescue her. When you rescue her, you find out that her and her team actually have a Reaper artifact and are be, being controlled by it. But also, Sovereign is on his way to this relay, and this relay, if Sovereign hits it, will have like a straight shot. The Citadel space, Mm -hmm. to to take over along with the other Reapers behind him. And you're left with this choice to, you know, I'm kind of rushing the DLC, but you're left with this choice ultimately where Shepard can either destroy this mass relay, to delay Sovereign and the rest of the Reapers long enough to try and formulate a plan, though we see how well that goes (laughs) anyway, or not, and then the Reapers arrive and they're here now. If Shepard destroys that mass relay, he is going to destroy a mostly Batarian-populated system. Mm -hmm. And though his action is considered justifiable because it's you know save the you know kill the few to save the many, still for the Batarian people, this is a whole sector of just Batarians that were killed because we think the Reapers are coming. Now, once the Reapers arrive, Shepard's kind of like, "Ha ha, I'm right," but it's at that point it doesn't matter. But like. You, the game doesn't even give you the chance to warn the Batarians, right? It's just because this is an excuse for the third game to start with Shepard kind of court-martialed and like under observation because of this ridiculous act that, while important, put ki- killed so many yeah. people. It was a genocide, essentially. And so for the Batarians to then hate humans after that, even though they didn't like them before, mm-hmm. I think is very much justified because one human wiped out an entire system. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, we didn't already have a great reputation in general in Citadel space. Like, from when humans started showing up, we didn't have a great reputation. And we didn't necessarily... I, I, in my view of understanding the history and playing these games, humans in general never had a great reputation. Um, We looked power-hungry. We looked like we were just, you know, it's the new kid in school and we're already the shit. Like, you know, like, we really like ourselves. And so we gave a lot of people excuses and people were looking for excuses to not like us. And, you know, one human destroying an entire sector like that is kind of like, that's a pretty good excuse to literally hate all humans.
0: Yeah, and it's like, it's not like Shepard can go to the Batarian government and just explain like, no, you don't get it because, you know, Sovereign was coming. I had to make the hard call and I, you know, it's it was the best possible option. Like, it's not like they have no reason to believe anything a human says. You know, it's just one of those things like the trust is just not there. And even if it was there, it would still be really hard to, uh, to explain like why you had to wipe out an entire system's worth of, you know, another, another people another population. It's kind of like, you know, there, there's just no talking that away, even if, you know, you could theoretically argue like it was the best possible thing for everyone in the galaxy. But uh, yeah, just, the trust was not there to begin with. There's no way you could explain that away, and it got like yeah, as we've established, got way worse from there. So uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of animosity between humans and Batarians uh, at sort of at the end of Mass Effect Two and heading into Three, where you know the the Reaper invasion will make things a lot more complicated, and uh, I think Mass Effect 3's arc gives us a better understanding of. Not just who the Batarians really are behind that, that facade of you know, lawlessness and the cannon fodder, the faceless enemy that you can justify killing. Uh, not only what they really are behind that, but what they can be, what, what they could grow to be, which, which is great. All right, we're going to keep this conversation going, but first, a quick break.
2: Okay, so we've talked about kind of the general gist of Batarians, humans, Batarian Citadel, like how those relationships kind of go about. But let's kind of look at, uh, I like what you wrote here, what lies underneath. Mm-hmm. We're going to go under the hood here and kind of really go a little bit further into Batarian society and what we get to view and what, you know, the the database kind of shows yeah. us. Um, because the the... the Batarians have like a totalitarian and kind of isolationist nature, like their whole society kind of has that. And so as players, we don't get, like I said earlier, we don't get the most accurate and representative picture possible because we only get to see what is given to us by not just the Alliance military and all that from just Shepard being in the military, but also Whatever the Citadel has on them and and the relationship the Citadel has on them, that's most likely what they're going to provide. And obviously we know it's not great. (laughs) Yeah. So we primarily interact with the quote-unquote the dregs of Batarian civilization. And those guys are the, they're forced to kind of subsist in the lawless sectors between Batarian, Citadel space. And I want to say that I still, I'm going to just say it, I think it's possible that these individuals do give a false impression oh, sure. of Batarians as a whole. Like I said, the negative is the most is the loudest. Absolutely. Like they're the most, you know, in your face. Cause also that's what we interact with most anyway. Right. Like that's what the Citadel interacts with most. So I not just I, I don't just think that the negative stereotype is the loudest. I like. I don't just think that those guys are the loudest Batarians, but also they're the ones that really do interact with Citadel space the mm-hmm. most because, like I said earlier, the Batarians are kind of, you know, they're isolationists and they kind of want to be left alone and let them do their own thing.
0: Yeah, if I was going to give it a real-world parallel, I, I, I keep coming back to this example of uh, North Korea. If you really think about it, it's kind of like North Korea is extremely isolationist and they don't tell their people about anything about the outside world, except what it's, it's kind of propaganda. If, like you're a, if you're a citizen in North Korea, mm-hmm. like you're just a regular person, you are told that everything about the outside world, like the West in general, uh, they, they, they want to come and take the, you know, the food out of your mouth. They want to kick you out of your home. They're evil. So it's kind of like if, if you translate, translate that into mass effect, it's almost like you have the Batarians you know, sitting in their home home systems, the Batarian hegemony, telling their citizens, like, you know, humans, Asari, Turians, Solarians, whoever, all the Citadel races, they, you know, they think nothing of you, they, you know, they don't care about you, all you have is us. It's kind of like, yeah, they, they just feed them a, a feedback loop of, you know, you, you, you have to stay here, you belong to us, uh, and... You, it's kind of like cutting the people off from the, uh, the rest of the galaxy. And as a side effect of that, we never really get to see what just the normal, honest, hardworking Batarian civilians go through day by day. Like you said, Kevin, all we see are the Batarians that kind of live outside that system or are kind of on the fringes of that system as pirates and slavers and mercenaries. So uh, yeah, we we definitely get a false impression of them as a race. We don't really get to see behind the curtain and it's uh. Yeah, it's sad. I I feel bad for the ones that we don't get to hear from that. We don't get to hear a story from, you know, the, the Batarians who don't make a living, you know, enslaving people and trying to blow up planets with asteroids and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the most part, the Batarians that we see are on Omega across two and three, and they are usually either hired guns for Arya or... They're slavers or they're just mercenaries hanging out or mercs complaining at the bar. And like it bums me out because in the third game, we actually do get to know a Batarian for a little while, but they don't even use it as an educational opportunity. I, of course, I'm talking about one of the greatest Batarian characters in all of Mass (laughs) Effect, Bray. Bray is uh, Arya's bodyguard, Arya's right-hand man, and when you do uh the DLC in the third game to take back Omega because Arya has been booted out of Omega by Cerberus, you get to team up with Arya, which is just awesome <laughs> on its own level. And Bray is I think with you in one skirmish maybe, maybe not even, but he like gets you to Arya and like You chat with Bray a bit. He seems very down to earth. He doesn't hate you immediately. He knows what you're capable of. He even seems to respect you. And like even when you're leaving after you finish the mission and however it resolves, I won't go into spoilers just in case anyone hasn't finished it. But like he still seems to respect you and is kind of on your side. And, you know, Bray helps Shepard by providing coordinates he needs. He is very open to to talking to you when you're on Omega This was an opportunity for Bray to talk a little bit, for Bray to become a party member. Imagine if after this, because Arya is never going to become a party member, right? (laughs) As much as we'd love it, not going to happen. Carrie Ann Moss is too badass for all (laughs) of us. And it's true. (laughs) But like, imagine if after all of that skirmish, you get Bray goes, you know, Arya's got her hands full here. There's not much I can do for her. Why don't I come along? And then Bray comes with you, and then you get to do some kind of side mission for Bray to help his family or go see the hegemony. Like, I feel like it was just a missed opportunity. And like, you know, I love the trilogy. I'm not going to go into the argument about how there were a lot of missed opportunities in the third game, because I happen to think the third game is actually still pretty great. But I do think this is a missed opportunity. Imagine if they had the time they could take with this DLC to then make Bray roll over as a Batarian Party member, and then you could find out more about the hegemony. Because think about it like, we didn't really start learning about the Geth until we had Legion, right? You know, we didn't really start learning about the Asari until not only we had Liara, but then we got Samara to learn even more about Mm. them. Like, 99% of what Shepard learns about any individual race is through the party members he gets. And the ship is pretty diverse.
2: So what you're saying is we should have Batarians as squad mates in the next game. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. You know, the what you experience doesn't—even the good and the bad doesn't represent, you know, the whole group of people yeah. or, or species, if you will. And, and I think that that says a lot to have these Batarians that we meet throughout all these games— just just be, like we said, the bad guys. Like, they're just the cannon fodder. And then we meet one that we work with. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I do love Bray. I do love what he represents. Uh, and, you know, just speaking of Omega, though, I, I will backtrack really briefly to uh, Mass Effect 2 before we move on to uh, the rest of what Mass Effect 3 shows us in regards to the Batarians. Uh, wh- one of my favorite interactions from Mass Effect 2, uh, again, I haven't finished Mass Effect 2, but I'm playing through it right now but I I did have this interaction earlier. I think everyone does in the quest where you're uh, first meeting Morden. There's a plague Mm -hmm. on Omega Station and Batarians are one of the hardest hit populations on Omega. Like the, you know, humans get sick from it too, but the Batarians are like getting more so, uh, you know, falling ill and dying from this plague. And Shepard runs across uh, a Batarian who's just, you know, sick and, you know, kind of leaning against a wall on the verge of death. And Shepard can you know, help this Batarian and like, you know, with a, with a metagel or whatever and save his life. And this Batarian is just dumbfounded that a human would help him. So it's kind of like, I, I do love these moments of building bridges and breaking stereotypes and, you know, showing that, you know, these conflicts, you know, don't need to carry on into every personal interaction. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm a human, you're Batarian, but you know, you're still someone, you're still a person that needs help. And I can make that choice to, uh, show you a different side of my people so that that gives you the opportunity to show me a different side of yours and and i think we actually have a clip lined up that we could play here human should have guessed (coughs) bad enough you infect us with this plague now you lack the decency to even wait until i die
2: before you come to steal my possessions (laughs) I need to find Morton Solis.
0: Humans looking for the human sympathizer. <coughs> I hope the Vulture
2: burn Morton and his clinic to the ground. <coughs> I hope you... <coughs> I hope... Damn it. Damn you. Can't... Hey, stay with me.
0: This won't cure the plague, but it might help I told you I'm looking for somebody. Would you rather I let you choke on your own blood? I suppose not. What do you wish to know? When I find Morden,
2: I'll tell him about you. If he has a cure, I'll make sure someone gets it to you.
0: (coughs) Thank you. My time is running short. But at least you have given me a flicker of hope to brighten the darkness of my final hours. I don't want (coughs) to (coughs) die. Whatever Morden is. I will risk it if you can reach me. No, I just just love that, you know, surprise, like, why are you helping me? uh, Especially in the context of that scene where the Batarians think like, oh, the humans are trying to poison us with this plague. It's kind of like this suspicion that goes both ways, this distrust that goes both ways. It's like, you know, any opportunity for a story to go in the direction of breaking the suspicion and breaking the mutual distrust I, I like that you know it's it's enjoyable for me
1: yeah i should i should mention though before your commenters come from you come for you <laughs> the humans are immune to the plague which is why he's oh, so right. it's why the people it's why the people are who are raiding the homes later are human, because human it only affects all other aliens. It for whatever reason does not affect humans. But also what's important about that clip and then what happens later is once you actually go back to the station, I think after you've either helped Morden or right before you helped Morden, like he's there and he thanks you. He says thank you for right. Like, you know, he's genuinely he has genuine gratitude. And so like I love that that you're breaking stereotypes and you've made a friend like if he gets healthy and gets back out, out out there you could reunite with him at some point and he would be an ally he would be he you know you would benefit from his assistance maybe somewhere down yeah. the line it's it, it's interesting that the game does give us those opportunities even though like he could very much be a person who's like well the batarians don't like us anyway i'm just gonna let him die it's my metal metagel but I mean, you're also a monster then. I don't know anybody who would do that. I do. That's not true. I know a ton of renegade players who probably would do that. But uh, like, I think it's important to like look at those moments, right? Because those are little glimpses as to what we could have with the Batarians Absolutely. if we just continue to try and build those bridges. For sure.
0: Speaking of building bridges, I think that is where... Mass Effect 3 kind of takes us or at least it shows us a possibility of that direction that human Batarian relations could take. You know, looking at the Reaper War in Mass Effect 3, obviously, a Reaper invasion of the galaxy is, needless to say, not good news for anybody, but I think uh, the Batarians suffered particularly badly. You know, millions of refugees, you know, from Batarian worlds left scattered and, you know, defend for themselves. But there's a, I think there's a choice in Mass Effect 3. Again, I'm speaking like with not with without firsthand knowledge. I've not played Mass Effect 3 yet, but from what I understand, Shepard can choose to cooperate with Batarian, you know, refugee fleet commanders, and you know he can, you know, again build that bridge, extend that olive branch, and gain support for the war effort against the Reapers. It's one of those things like we can't fight these things alone. It's you know, we stand stand together or die alone. Classic, you know, classic uh, truism. So, and you know, again, that's a really bright spot, you know, in this arc, or at least it's going in a positive direction of building a diplomatic bridge between the Citadel and the Batarians while fighting back against the Reapers.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the most horrifying things about the Reapers in the third game is that all of the enemies you fight are not giant spaceship lobsters, mm-hmm. they, they are converted races amongst the the planets you're right. familiar with all of your and en- like the first enemy you fight is a cannibal it's this weird like kind of hulking thing but it has a roundish head and four mm-hmm. eyes and they are converted batarians they are some of the first to be converted by the reapers reapers don't have an origin they have an origin point but they always take from other races and other beings and the batarians get the hit the hardest and first because amongst some of the earliest fights you have are with these cannibals which are converted batarians yeah. I mean, and also, like, something to note about the Reaper War and the third game is, like, it is dope diplomacy the game. Like, Shepard is often frustrated Mm -hmm. because he has to play diplomat. But, like, the whole game is brokering trust with some people but losing the trust Mm -hmm. of others. And, like, the Batarians fall into that. Like, there is no way to play the third game and appease everybody. What you do as Shepard is follow your heart to the best of your ability or your gut, whichever to make the alliances to succeed. But I think based on some examples we've said today and I think more examples that I am confident are out there that we didn't even cover, there's more to the batarians than just being this race of uh insufferable shit heels, <laughs> I guess. I don't know how else to put it, right? And like I want more media about Mass Effect, but I don't know that I want media about Shepard. I I would love like an origin point for the Batarians, like a, a vignette about like their stories and how they came to power and who are some of the famous leaders on their yeah. homeworld, things like that, right? Because that's how you understand races like this a lot better is creating more information and providing more information. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, even even with with blowing up that Batarian system, right? We could, It could have so much more, like gravitas to the feeling of like, what did I just do? Because, to to you as the player, a lot of people probably felt that it was still just another number. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. okay, all these people, like, because because we don't, we've only really ever seen them as again just the bad guys. We we don't we don't get. I don't think we got. I don't think we had enough interactions with them to where the weight, like, the heaviness of, like, I just destroyed an entire system of people. Like, yeah. it's not humans. It's not like I did. Like, if, if you told me I was going to destroy an entire section of Turians, I'd be like, Ugh, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Like, if you said the same thing, like, Krogans, like, stuff like that, like... Right. Even, even a Krogan, right? Like, it's like, oh, the Krogans found this other, you know, this is a peaceful sector of Krogan space, and I had to just destroy, the, like, one of the biggest peaceful sectors. Like, shit like that, like, it would just be like, Oh, no because i know these characters i know parts of their society i've right. seen yeah. it i've ex- i've experienced these people like i've experienced them even that like it's a big deal it's a big decision it it starts mass effect 3 but like it also i i don't think it carries as much weight as yeah. it could the,
0: have the state yeah, yeah i the agree. stakes aren't set up for an entire batarian system to be wiped out for that to have impact they the, there would need to be more stakes built up and yeah, like, like you said, man, I think there's an, a lost opportunity to show us more of the Batarians just behind, you know, the angry face holding the gun at you uh, to really understand them. You know, and that's what we've been trying to do here—to really understand them, and hopefully, at some point, yeah, we, we can get more of those high-stakes stories with with impact. You know, with that, if I have to make the decision to blow up an entire Batarian system, uh, I don't just think to myself, "Okay, well, that side quest's done." You know, so I don't just like check off—it's you know, not just a you know a checklist thing. It's just it's an actual impactful moment. Um, and you know, you have to understand a, a you know a, a fictional race to really. To really have those stakes, um, you know, and, and I think that leads us to the end of our uh, their, our discussion here. You know, we've we've talked about Batarian history, you know, their relations with other races, uh, just the ways we interact with them, and the ways we, you know, maybe get false pre- preconceptions about them, and maybe don't get the entire picture. So, you know, I think I think our takeaway here is it would be nice to have, or at least my takeaway here is it'd be nice to have more stories about them. I think Matt, you have a great point of just, you know, like that, that's, a, that's fertile ground to explore in uh, future properties is just, you know, show us more of them. Let us see more of their real lives, you know, behind the, behind the pirate facade.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot yeah, about the it. races. We don't get a lot of information on, right? Like I think about sure. the Vorcha a lot too. Like the Vorcha are also hired guns and like hideous yeah. to look at, but like, That's based on my aesthetic preference. That's, you know, everyone's beautiful to somebody, right? But, and I'm not even saying that as a joke, right? Like, it's like, it's hideous to me because human faces don't do that. (laughs) Right. Um, But like the Vorcha are often hired guns, but you do occasionally meet Vorcha who want to work with you, who want to help you, who want to negotiate. And like, it's the same with the Batarians. I think that if I had to guess, Bioware created the Vorcha and the Batarians to be... Enemies we can kill with little to yeah. no guilt. But that's not good enough for me anymore now that we're three games in, a four, four games in rather, and a fifth game on the horizon, I want more. I wanna know more about, like, think about all we learned about the Drell in such a short amount of time in the mm-hmm. second game, right? And then the third game. Through the Hanar, that they're raised by the Hanar, all of this stuff. Like, you don't need a whole game to teach us more about these people because through Thane, we got, again, we through a party member, we got so much information. And I think not having a Vorcha party member, not having a Batarian party member, both who can hold a gun um, and can do be fill that like soldier role or an infiltrator role, I think we would learn as the player so much more. And I would love to see more of that. And so also being a white person, <laughs> it's like, yeah, most of us, yeah, we do suck. So, like, like <laughs> i i have real i have real sorry, sorry to go there it's just my brain goes Don't there, apologize. But like i have i mean we're talking about mass yeah. effect what do you expect right like my but like so my real life brain goes there and so i can understand why a human might look at the batarian leaders and just assume they're all like that but that's not a good enough answer and so i hope that us talking about it today has made other people curious about it i'm i know that there are a ton of mass effect comics and i haven't read them all but i'm hoping that maybe they go into that a little bit i know there are encyclopedias and like behind the scenes stuff like i just want us to learn more about these races that we just assumed are there to shoot because like if someone wants to play a game that way that's fine but that's not why we're here on lore party it's to learn about the lore of these people and i just feel like the batarian specifically got the short end of the stick on that yeah
0: yeah'm so glad we had this conversation Matt again it was a pleasure having you finally <laughs> on lore party uh, hope you come back soon uh, when I eventually finish mass Effect three you know maybe sometime in the next uh, five years or so <laughs> I don't know knowing me who knows when it'll be but uh no it's it, it was a it was a genuine pleasure uh thank you again uh, do you want to go ahead and uh, you know tell the fine folks out there where they can hear and see more of you?
1: Sure. So uh, I'm in too many places, as both the folks on this call can attest to. Uh, the best place to find everything that I do is www.djstormageddon.com. It goes to my link tree, which has all of my podcasts, my Twitch page, my merch store, my Kofi. if you want to throw a couple bucks my way. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, of all the places, the best place is Twitter, which is also DJ underscore Stormageddon. Pretty much if you Google DJ, underscore stormageddon you will find me uh i've made it pretty easy for folks and then i'll plug this just specifically because of the episode we're doing i am on a mass effect retrospective podcast Mm -hmm. called reignite um kevin has been a guest on it and uh it, is, it was me and my co-host Frankie playing through the entire Mass Effect trilogy as if we were Shepard and discussing the choices we make nice. based on that. We've now since completed that and are in season four, taking on Andromeda, a game I, a Mass Effect Super fan, have <laughs> never played. And so Frankie is guiding me through that experience. Um, as of when we're recording this, we just did um, Havarl and Vold, and so we're still pretty early on, so you can definitely go jump in and check that out. Um, I have had a lot of fun experience this game outside of the bias that came with it. I can see where the hiccups are, but all in all, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm glad that I waited to play it. Uh, so yeah, so Reignite reignite Pod on all social media if you want to check out more Mass Effect stuff from me. Uh, otherwise, again, DJ underscore Storm again on Twitter and Twitch.
2: Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube and Twitch pages for more bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.